Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. How many of you know um, that the world today um, is pretty wild? You know, there, there's a lot happening, a lot of voices, a lot of, a lot of chaos. And I, I know I, I haven't lived, uh, I, I'm maybe younger than a lot of you in the room. That's not to make you feel old. That's just saying I'm, I'm a young buck. And... Um, but in my lifetime, the world has never looked like what it looks like right now. And in Ephesians 6, uh, Paul says this. He says, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, darkness. Is that our, our battle isn't, we're not fighting um, humanity. Is that as believers, we understand that there is a spiritual battle happening, right? And Paul also said this. In Corinthians, he, he told uh, Corinthians uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he to- starts off telling the Corinthians, he says, I don't want you unaware of spiritual things. It's so important that we understand what is happening in the spirit. And uh, this week, um, the Lord has been brewing something in my heart. And I feel like it's not just um, something I want to teach today, but I feel like there's something to be released today. I believe that the Lord wants to speak to fathers today. He wants to speak to mothers and he wants to speak to a generation that, um, has really been plagued by fatherlessness and where fathers, where there is fatherlessness, there is a lack of identity always, always. And so but I believe that the Lord is wanting to restore the, the rightful place of mothers and fathers so that sons and daughters that are confident and full of identity and security can be raised up and can release heaven on earth. And so I want to give us some scripture. I want you, I'm going to tell a, tell a few stories and I'll give us a little bit of context, but I'm going to talk to you today about how do we slay a giant. And when I talk about how do we slay a giant, I talk about giants. I'm talking about the spirit of this age, the voice that is in contradiction to what the Lord has been saying. The thing that has been trying to rob people of their calling, their identity and their purpose. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't ever like to, I, I don't like to focus on the enemy. Just don't, don't feel like he's worth the time. But I do think it's also important to know maybe what he's up to. And uh, so that I can, so that we as the body can say, you know what? That's not truth. We're here to confront that lie, to confront the thing that is trying to rob and so we can know how to war, right? And again, our war is not against flesh and blood. And so this is, you know, I think too many times believers get into the, the Facebook war. We get into the war of like right and wrong. And oh, this is right, that's wrong. And um, and the truth is, is that's not the, the war that the Lord has asked you to get, engage in. He has not asked you to go and correct everybody. He's actually called you. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation is what the Bible says. That means that you've been given the ministry to reconcile those to the Lord. 
And if you are bashing them and just out to correct, you will never reconcile them. You're actually meant to see the gold in them and pull it out. Amen. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start in Numbers 13. And um, this, this is the nation of Israel. The Lord has delivered them from Egypt, from slavery. He has brought them through the Red Sea. He has taken care of them. He has led them at night by a pillar of fire and during the day a pillar of smoke. And he has led them and he has been good to them and faithful to them. Okay. And the Lord had told them, he said, I'm bringing you to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's good. It's your inheritance. You're going to have to drive out. The Lord even told him, you're going to have to drive out the people of that land. You're going to have to drive out some giants. He, the Lord was very honest with the people of Israel. He, he did not withhold from them. He was, he was up front. Um, and so Moses, as the leader, he goes and they get close to the land of Israel. And they said, we're going to go spy it out. We're going to go see. It's a, it's a smart move, right? They didn't just walk in. They were like, hey, let's go check it out. Let's, let's find out the plan here. Let's, let's go scope things out. Um, so they go and they're there for 40 days scouting it out. They come back and they bring fruit from the land and it's awesome. And you know what they say? They say this. They said, the land is flowing with milk and honey. They were, so they were saying this, the Lord was right. Imagine that. <laughs> the Lord who just parted the Red Sea. All I'm saying is if I see the Red Sea, a, a sea part, anything like that, I'm like, Lord, I'm, not, I'm just going to sit down and say, yes, sir. Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to question anything else. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but these guys were stubborn. They were stubborn. So they said, you know what? It, the land is flowing with milk and honey is good. And then they threw a big button there. Those big butts. <laughs> they said... But there's giants in the land. And the, the, let, me, let me read Numbers 13, verse 31. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Or you can um, tap there if you've got a phone. Um, but the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. So they began to tell everybody, because of their fear and their unbelief, they began to say, We can't do it. These guys are, they're huge. They're, you know, and it goes on to say the land we explored devours those living in it. So no longer was the land, the promised land for them. They were like, this land, it will devour us. They had lost sight of God's promise and his word. And it says, all the people we saw there are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. There's an identity issue there, Right. And then he says, and we look the same to them. Or maybe at least they thought that's how they looked to them. Right? So in this moment, we see the spirit of the age is what we see. The giant. The giant represents the thing that is there to distract you and to bring you out of what you are actually called to. It is there to rob you of identity. And I believe it's the same spirit that we face today. It's the same spirit that wants to lead with fear and that wants to, um, again, distract you from who you really are in the Lord. So if you're wondering, what's the giant of today? There's the giant. Okay. Um, so it tries to lead by fear and intimidation. 
if we skip over to Numbers 14, verse 1 through 4, this is what happens. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If we had only died in Egypt or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? You know, that's what happens when you come into agreement with fear. And you come into agreement when you start saying, you know what, that's right, that's right, they're, they're huge, they're going to kill us, we're going to get destroyed. You start talking crazy. You start to, it would be better for us to go back to Egypt. It'd be, it's better for us to, I would rather my kids be slaves than us risk, take a risk. And, and, and not even a risk because you're following the Lord who's faithful, who split the Red Sea. You begin to, you begin to stop, you, you begin to start thinking with a, a lesser reality, you begin to start, yeah, there was, the giants were real. They were big. They had the word of the Lord, right? The Israelites had the word of the Lord. And um, it goes on to say, they said, Why is the Lord bring us to a land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. This was the men. This was the fathers, fathers of the nation that came and they were influenced by the spirit of the age. They gave into fear, intimidation, and they gave up their calling as fathers. They gave up their calling. And it says, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is the other thing that is the result of us coming into agreement with that, with fear, is that instead of looking to the Lord's leadership, we look to man's leadership. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about just government. I'm talking about in the church, I'm talking about in our homes. Let me tell this, I want to say this to, to moms and dads, is when the Lord's not the leader of the home, it falls on your shoulders and it won't be enough. The Lord has to be the leader. He's, it's his leadership. Leaders in family, leaders in the kingdom of God, they are great followers. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He was confident in saying, follow me because he said, I lead by following. And so I really want to... Uh, I'm telling you, like, maybe in the moment this feels heavy, but we're going somewhere and it's good. Okay, real good. I'm wanting to expose something today so that I can call us higher. Okay, y'all with me? Y'all with me? Y'all ready? Anybody ready to go a little higher today? All right. So what is our calling? What is the calling? If, if, that, if the spirit of this age wants to distract you and to bring you out of your calling, then what is your calling? And God's solution for the earth has always looked like fathers and mothers raising up sons and daughters. It's all, his solution has always been family. It all, has always been, it has always looked like family. In Psalms 2, you don't have to turn there, but you can go read it, is, uh, it starts off by saying, why do the nations rage? Why, why, is, why is everything in an uproar? Why are people... Um, Rebelling against the Lord? Why are people kicking up against the Lord and saying no? And you know what the Lord's response was? It was to send Jesus. 
His, his response was sonship. His response was, I'm a father, and this is my son, and this is how I'm going to bless the earth. You with me? All right. So God's solution for the, is fathers and mothers raising up sons and daughters. So I want to say this, is your calling is first to live in the revelation that you are a child of God. You are a child of God. That's who you are. That's your first calling. But as you walk as a child of the Lord, you begin to take on your father's nature and you begin to take on what he's doing, I'm doing. And so in the kingdom, sons and daughters become great fathers and mothers. I know, I know, um, I know 70 year old men that aren't fathers at heart. They're dads, but they're not fathers. And I believe the, the reason is, is they were never taught how to be a son. You know, sons first receive, fathers give. You can never give if you don't first learn to receive. If you don't have anything to give, you can't give. Right? And so that is the natural progression in the kingdom is that I have first become a child. I, I, you never leave that place of being a child of God, being a son or daughter. But as you mature and as you grow in that, you learn, I have something to give. I have something to pour out. And that's the Lord's heart. And you begin to take on this mindset of, I have been given, so I give. Right? All right. Y'all y'all still with me? You know, Austin, last night while we were in the car, we, I had officiated a wedding in New Orleans last night. And we were driving back, and she asked me a question. She said, you know, when we're like... 30, 35 years down the road, like when we retire, I don't know if I'll retire, I don't know, but whenever, I guess whenever the kids are out the house and whatever, whenever I'm older, um, she's like, what do you want to do? What is it going to look like for us? And all I could tell her, I, I thought of was, I just, I just want to be a, a father. I just want to be a good father. Like I want to father my kids, my grandkids, and the people around me. Like that's what I feel like that is what, what, what greater reward is that than to be able to know that I'm raising up powerful people, right? And if I'm honest with you, today the plague in the world is fatherlessness. It has been the agenda of the enemy. If I can, and I think there are even great men and great dads that just haven't, I, I, I think they're, like, I'm thankful for all of those who operate as a father. But I believe even dads that have maybe even been present is that we have at times allowed ourselves to become selfish and self-centered. And we parent in that way where it's more about us than it is about raising up powerful sons and daughters. Because the heart of the father is that my, my ceiling, it would be your floor. That, and, and a lot of times I believe there has been a fear of, there has been a fear of rejection, fear of, oh my gosh, my kids are going to reject me. If I speak into their lives, if I am, if I'm honest with them, if I do this, they, they're going to, they're going to reject me or they're going to this or that. And, um, and I believe that the Lord wants to give us father's hearts. He wants to give us mother's hearts that know how to speak to sons and daughters. 
And I believe that it, it goes beyond even just the home. It goes beyond just your natural children. But what if the body of Christ, knowing who we are in the Lord, knowing that we are loved and that we have received much, what if everywhere we go, we're looking, saying, who can I father? Who can I mother? You know, um, if I, I want to challenge moms and dads to do this, okay? And you're going to see how awkward it is at first. And this will, but I think that this just reveals our need to learn to be fathers and mothers. Go to your children or to someone who you, who you feel like I can speak into their life, and I want you to bless them. But I don't want you to say, I just, I pray the Lord blesses you. And I don't want you to say, um, that ask them, Lord, you bless them. I want you to bless them. I want you to say, I bless you with peace and I bless you with joy. You know, when I first started trying to do this, I, I felt like, oh, this is hard. There was something inside of me that felt like, do I really, am, do I really carry the authority to bless? Do I actually, am I allowed to do this? And then when I realized, wait, who am I? I'm, 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 I'm loved by the Lord. He has blessed me. And because I'm blessed, I can bless. You know, God even told, he, he, he told Abraham, he said, the nations will be blessed through you. God does not, he, he is not scared of you releasing blessing. He actually, it is your identity. It is your purpose. It is your calling to bless the earth. You know, I remember I'd asked some men to bless um, the church one day, and it was, and, and I remember, began to listen to each one, and it was, began to listen to the words of, may the Lord bless you, do this, is, and, that, and it was all good, and it was so sweet and powerful, and I remember I went to the last one, I was like, hey, I was like, I want, like, while they're in line, I was like, hey, I want you to bless them. And, uh, and he got up and he started going and it was almost like he just couldn't. And then we talked after and he's like, I don't know why that was so hard. I don't know why I couldn't tell people. And, and I just, for me, it, I begin to realize is that we have to take that. We have to understand that's who we are. That's who we are. Is that I'm, when, when it comes to my sons raising up secure and strong sons, what I want to do is I want to be able to go to them and say, hey, I bless you. As your dad, I have something to impart to you. And what that does is it instills a confidence and security. And I know there are young men and young women in my life that that's how I can speak to them. There are some older men and women that I speak to in that way. Why? It's because I've determined in my heart is that I want to carry the spirit of the Father in me. And it doesn't, the, this transcends age, okay, is that I believe that the Lord wants to instill in us. I believe that there is a calling, there is a mandate that we step in to a fathering and mothering spirit where we begin to tell a generation who they are in the Lord and who they were made to be. There's a story I heard years ago. Um, it was this youth pastor who was leading a youth service, and he had hundreds of kids show up. And um, once a year, they would invite a lot of the elders of the church to come. And they would, and the, and the, this was actually, it became something that they did on the regular. But the first time they did it, he was telling the story about how this happened. He invited some of just the mothers and fathers of the house to come. He had a bunch of teenagers. And the youth pastor who has a wife and some kids, they come up on the stage, and he lines up his kids, and he begins to speak over each one of his kids he'd say little little Johnny you are the man and you are 
so athletic and you are strong and you're going to just do great things. Like I just see the gift of God on your life. I see this on you and that. And he began to bless his kids. And he wasn't, he didn't give the teenagers any context. He just started doing this. And then he prayed over them and he loved on them. And then he gets up and he asked the teenagers, he said, how many of you have ever had a father or mother speak over you like that? Crickets, no hands. And he said, okay. He said, I have brought here a bunch of mothers and fathers and I want all of you, if you say you, you want to just be um, loved on and given identity in that way, prayed for, I want you to come up. And they said for three and a half hours, these kids, they came down, they would get in line and they'd go to the back and get back in line. And they'd go see somebody else. And they were so hungry to be told who they were. And my, my fear is that, not even fear, my, my concern is that as, as mothers and fathers, as people who have maybe even sat in church our whole lives, is we have never picked up the mantle and the calling to be fathers and mothers to a generation, is that we've come and we've said, well, it's just all about us. Because we have been stubborn to not receive that we are the beloved of God. We are the children of God. It's, and, and I believe that the Lord wants to instill that in us where he has settled. I am a child of God. I am his beloved. Nothing separates me from him. And I'm going to continue to grow in that the rest of my life. But from that place, I've got to learn to walk as a father. I've got to learn to give that can you say this, say, I have something to give? You do. You're not insignificant. You're not left out. You're not too young. You're not too old. Um, all right. Romans 8 for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, right? The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So, the Spirit of God... And, and this isn't, you know, sometimes you can read that the spirit, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And maybe that sounds cute that like, oh, he leads us. But this is what that means. This means you fully have submitted your life to the Spirit of God, to what he says. He has been your he has become your source of truth. It is the only truth that you gravitate towards because he is the leader. His role is actually to determine the way you think to give you actually perspective. To, he, the Holy Spirit wants to actually show you, not just show you what to see, but how to see it. And if you're saying, well, I don't know how to be a mother and father because I haven't learned to be a, a child of God. I'm not sure if I am. This is how you know, is that it is the Spirit of God that is whispering in your ear, hey, you are God's beloved child. That's who you are. That's his role, is constantly leading you to think, I am safe and secure. I have an identity. I have a daddy. I have a father who loves me completely. That's the Holy Spirit's role in your life, is he is constantly reminding you, hey, you are not just okay. You are the beloved. You have been found. You have been, you have been 
desired. You have been wanted. You, you are the, the Father's best and his favorite and who he loves. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He doesn't come and say, be better, do better, look better. He comes and he says, you are God's beloved. When you mess up, come on, you're God's beloved. Leave that thing, come, come higher. Come, come step into who you are. And so that's how we get onto the path. And where it leads, again, is to mothers and fathers. Now, we start off talking about giants, right? I want to I read you a story this morning, and this, we're going to land the plane with this. Um, and this is going to bring... Uh, just today, I, I'm asking you as, as, as we, uh, over these next 10 minutes, if you would just allow the Lord to just begin to speak to your heart, okay? Um, I'm going to talk about David, okay? David fighting Goliath, all right? You know, in Numbers, when the Israelites were supposed to go and defeat the giants, it was their calling. And the fathers... They forfeited their calling because they agreed with fear and being intimidated. So God told him this. He said, you guys are going to have to go walk around the wilderness for 40 years because I'm going to have to kill off this generation so I can raise up a new generation that will say yes. I'm going to have to raise up a new generation of fathers. And I believe that we have an opportunity to answer the call to step into our inheritance, to all that he has called us to be. And I believe that today the Lord hands, he's like holding, he, he, is, he is holding something for you to say, will you take this? Will you become who I've always made you to be? He's not asking you to do something that's impossible or in your own strength. He's asking you to simply be who he's made you to be. Okay? So, they didn't, they didn't do it. And then Joshua and Caleb, who, who were of a different spirit, when Moses dies, Joshua, he leads them into the promised land. And they go and they destroy all of the giants, except for some that fled to three Philistine cities. So there were still giants in the land. And one of those cities was called Gath. Okay? And that's where there were still giants in the land. And look, I, you know, I... I do realize, I don't know if any of you fit this, but there are those who are very fascinated with giants and have different, you almost build theologies around the giants and stuff, and, and that's a whole other discussion. So if you have all that in your mind, put that to the side. If you ever want to talk about giants and all that, great. Um, we'll, we'll do that. We'll have coffee. I know that's just a side note. I probably didn't even need to say that, but um, anyways. But this giant named Goliath becomes the Philistine army's champion. The Bible says that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. Okay? Um, he, could, he could dunk with his forehead. Okay? Um, if he stood on his tippy toes, he would hit his head on the rim. So, um, let me find where I want to start here. Here it is. I got it highlighted. So this is what happens. Everybody, you know, the story about David. He is a young man. He's actually, he was a shepherd and um, he was anointed king. And he, uh, not long after he's anointed king, this battle takes place where there's the Philistines and um, the army of Israel is there. And it basically says every day, this 
giant would come out. And what did he do? He'd intimidated. And he brought about fear. Right? And here's the deal. The Israelites, they were very aware of the word of God. The, God had already promised them victory. He already promised them victory. And even years later, after they had already occupied Israel, that promise still stood. And the Israelite army failed to step in to their calling. They were actually in a moment where even Saul, who was king, who should have fathered well. He, he was actually, they said he was the tallest, most handsome, best warrior in all of Israel. It's why he became king. And I ask, where was Saul? But Saul was in the tent. They were all hiding. Again, they had come back into the cycle of fathers had given up their calling. Right? And so David comes along. And, he's, and he's, he's delivering some food, and he's a young boy. He's probably 16, 17 years old, just been out herding filthy sheep and all these different things. And, and in verse 32, it says this, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight for him. You are only a young man, and he has, a warrior. He has been a warrior from his youth. Saul's not sounding very father-like right now. He's telling him, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now catching this, David, knew, David was this. Let me show you what a son looks like who's been in the father's house, who's been fathered well, and who knows the Lord. Let me show you what that voice looks like. Okay, this is the fruit of us stepping into who we're supposed to be. Okay, you raise up people like this. He says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from a flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Something had been instilled in this young man. Something, someone had been speaking over him. I believe he had been fathered by his father, Jesse, and by the Lord. And he knew who he was. Because it goes on to say this, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a broad helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. David, who knows his identity because he's been in the father's house, says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He said, this isn't me. This isn't me. I know who I am, and this isn't me. This is man's way of doing things. This is foreign to me. I, I don't need to do this according to the world system. I've been told who I am. I think this generation needs to see some people like this, to see some sons and daughters who said, I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing that. That's not me. That's not who I, because I've, I've had a father and a mother who have told me who I am. They've called out who I really am. Guess what? I didn't, I didn't have all this armor when I killed the lion and the bear. I just trusted the Lord. He strengthened me. That's it. All right? Y'all with me? 
All right. He says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand that his dad probably gave him. And he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. He said, I'm just coming as I am. This is who I am. This is what I've been trained in. This is what I've been given. I'm coming as a son. All right. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. So the Philistine's coming thinking, all right, I got to fight. Then he looked at David, David over. He's like, what? Who is this? And saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said, you can see the, the arrogance of the giant, the arrogance of that spirit that says, that wants to make you feel like, oh, you're not, who are you? Who are you? But David, oh, he, and so he goes, he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I love this story. I still think somebody needs to make a really good movie about this. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with a sword and a spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. There was a confidence. You see the security. You see the identity. You've seen the confidence. His confidence wasn't just in, it wasn't in him. His confidence came from who he belonged to. His confidence came from the one who with his words had said, David, you're my son. And he knew. He knew. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. He began to prophesy. He said, this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or the spear. And uh, it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. There was no pride in David. He wasn't trying to prove anything. He was. He just was. He was, himself. he was fully himself. He had been fathered really well. As the Philistine moved closer to him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and stuck the Philistine in the forehead, on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling, a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. It's intense, right? David, like once he was in, he was in. He was like, <laughs> he's like, well, let's just keep on going with it, right? And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forth with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the some roads. When the Israel, Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistine's weapon in his own tent. And Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine. He said to Abner, commander of the army, catch this, Abner, whose son is that young man? This is what Saul recognized. He didn't say, his question was, 
he's a son. He must have a father. I see the gift of sonship on him. That's what's different. So why was Saul's first question, whose son is that? Because only a son could do that. Only a, So how do we slay giants? We raise up confident sons and daughters that have identity. So the spirit of this age, the thing that is looking to rob and distort, the thing that's looking to bring about fear, how do we slay that giant? By being who we're called to be so that we can raise up powerful sons and daughters who know who they are, who knows who they are, and who carry the word of the Lord. That's how. Amen? It's a good word. I want to... I want to close by sharing another story with you, okay? Um, There's a lot to this story, so I've just got to move through it really quick. But there's a prophet named Elijah. He confronted in Israel, their hearts weren't fully towards the Lord. There were other gods that were being worshipped. And so Elijah comes and he confronts 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah says, hey, listen, build an altar and ask your God to call down fire. And then I'll do the same and we'll see whose God is really the God of Israel. So you can go read about it. But the 450 prophets of Baal, they fail miserably. They cut themselves. They're acting wild. They're doing all these things. Elijah's making fun of him. He's like, hey, did, uh, did your God take a bathroom break? You know, is he on the anyways? Anyways, you get it. So he's making fun of him, them. And so he says, all right, you've had your time. You've had days, weeks. He says, my turn. And his first thing, he said, go dump water on it. And they dumped water and water and water. And then he prayed a simple prayer. He said, Lord, come and bring fire. Come and, come and fall. Come and show yourself as God. And fire fell, consumed it, sucked up the water. All right. Amazing. Amazing victory, right? The next day, not even 24 hours later, this woman named Jezebel, who carried the same intimidating spirit, the same thing that we even face today, that wants to lead in fear, that wants to control. It was confronted Elijah, and Elijah flees for his life. Now, he had, he had just won the biggest victory of his life. And it was the Lord's, the Lord showed up. The Lord... Again, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, you see fire fall from heaven and then you start questioning the Lord. What is wrong with you? But Elijah came under the influence of the spirit of the age where he began to abandon his calling and he fled to a cave. And he would stand in the cave and he just tell the Lord, Lord, I I did this for you. I've done this and now I'm going to lose my life and there's nobody left. And, And the Lord corrects him. The Lord brings him into right thinking. It says, Elijah... Come on, this is who I am, and this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go from here, and there's a, there's a man that I want you to anoint as king, and then I want you to go to Elisha, and I'm going to give him a double portion of your anointing. So what was God's solution? It was to raise up leaders. It was to raise up a father, and it was to raise up a son. That was God's solution. And then you see... This man named Jehu, and he comes and he confronts Jezebel. And there were, it says that Jehu comes and 
Jezebel is standing on a, on a um, balcony and says, hey, why don't you come up here? And this is Jehu's response. He talked to these two young men that were with Jezebel. And he said, if you are real men of Israel, throw her down right now. He was a father that came and said, hey, no more. No more. This isn't who you are. You are not one to come under intimidation. You're not one to be led in fear. He said, throw that thing down. Throw her down right now. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to raise up some fathers today who will speak and some mothers who will stand and declare to sons and daughters, that's not who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. I'm going to instill security in you. I'm going to instill an identity in you. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm not afraid to tell you who you really are. I'm not afraid because I've been with the Lord, because I know I've walked as a child, there's, because I have confidence, I'm about to give you some confidence. I'm about to give you some courage. And I believe this is how the Lord wants to touch our region, how he wants to touch the earth. And I think all he's looking for is those who will first submit to his spirit and say, teach me how to be a son, teach me how to be a daughter, so that I can learn to walk as a father and a mother. And so that I can speak to those who have lived in bondage. Amen. Amen. Who's ready? Who's ready? Come on, why don't you stand with me? I don't want this to be, well, oh, that was a cute message. That was good. We're slaying giants. David's the man. I today want us to begin to say, Lord, do what you got to do in my heart. Do what you got to do in me. I don't want us to be those who complain about what's happening in the world. I want us to be those who bring the solution. And I want to tell you this is that you are not disqualified today. You're not disqualified. You're not left out. You haven't done too much. You haven't done too little. You're right where you need to be. You just have to learn to say yes. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, well, really, I'm sitting here realizing I could have been a better mom. I could have been a better dad. That's not the point here today is the Lord redeems. That's what he does. He redeems. It's never too late. It's never too late. So come on, let's come before the Lord. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that your solution in the earth is family. Your solution in the earth is fathers and mothers washing children, washing sons and daughters, with their words. It is them calling forth identity. And I ask that you would come and that you would heal our land, that you would heal everything that needs to be healed. I pray that you would restore our hearts as sons and daughters, and that you would release us in to the calling of being mothers and fathers to a generation. And we just even thank you that in our nation, in the nations of the world, that you are raising up mothers and fathers who stand in confidence, who are not afraid to, who are not afraid to love big, who are not afraid to speak, who are not afraid to bless, who do not feel unworthy, but you are raising up mothers and fathers who have lived in the goodness of God, who have lived in the presence of the Father, and I thank you that you are releasing them to begin to speak life over the nations, life over the nations. If that's you, to, I, I just, between you and the Lord, some of you just need to say, Lord, I'm yours. I receive the call. Some of you need to say, Lord, teach me. 
Teach me how to be a son. Teach me how to be a daughter. Teach me how to be a father or a mother. Lord, right now, we just release the mandate, the mandate for fathers and mothers. For some of you, it may look like you looking around and saying, Lord, who do you want me to father? Who do you want me to mother? Who do you want me to invest in? Who do you want me to speak over? Who do you want me to just give a hug? Who do you want me to instill confidence to? I thank you, Lord, that you're healing every insecurity. You're healing every fear. Today, Lord, we come out of agreement with the spirit of this age that says that we have to be afraid, that says that we're not enough, that says that we're not qualified, that says that we don't have a voice. I thank you, Lord, that you we are wonderfully and fearfully made. I thank you, Lord, that we have been called as a royal priesthood, that we've been called as a people who are yours, as citizens of heaven. I thank you it is our identity. It's who we are, that we're not nobodies, we're not insignificant, Lord, but we are yours and yours alone. So today we say fully yes to you. Yes to you. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I love you guys. Yeah. Um. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.